Good morning. Sunday morning. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live show that we put on every single Sunday to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, making sense of the craziness that is the news, getting into how pop culture is being subverted entirely to try to turn a nation against itself but you know there's more and more of that we can always get into um sorry for the delay on the show i'm not gonna lie i uh, spent the week hanging out with a bunch of vietnam veterans and so uh, not only was i a little wiped out from traveling but i needed time for my liver to recover um because uh oh, no. oh my god those guys um good lord um i'm pretty sure they're pickled uh but they uh they can survive and trying to keep up with them. It's, um, it was a fool's errand. Let me just put it that way. No, but a really good time. Uh, I had a great time hanging out with, uh, some guys, a uh, bunch of veterans from the Vietnam era, hearing their stories and everything. It's always a lot of fun. It's something that, um, I do every single year. So really good time, um, and a lot of fun, but there's also still a ton of news that we have to dive into and, and some craziness. Um, the first big one that I really, really, really want to jump into is um, there's this glorious, weird thing that occurred where for zero with zero explanation as to, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, with zero explanation as to why the National Archives decided that they absolutely needed to trot out james madison's crystal flute and have lizzo the rapper play it uh-huh and it's a weird like aside from the normal reactions that uh some people i'm sure have seen the first question that everyone needs to ask themselves is why has can anyone bring up a time that they've seen the national archives randomly have a celebrity do something I, I can't really think of one. Yeah. Now, is there some sort of weird significance about James Madison's crystal flute uh, that, let's be honest, nobody really knew about until now? I don't know. Is there something substantial about Lizzo in relation to the National Archives that we're potentially unaware of? I, I have no idea. Right. No, I've never heard. I've, I've almost never heard of Lizzo before you even told me about this. <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, so then we we're we're stuck having to ask the question, why why did this occur? Well, a couple of things, some data points that hit my head initially uh, when I saw the story. So I I was aware of who who and what a Lizzo was, but I'm also it's interesting because you know when you hear a name. Uh, you, you kind of remember it, you know, you hear a name or something, you remember it. And this is a really good way of keeping track of what's going on. And the national archives was something that was at the top of my mind because they brought up, oh, then like I saw people on Twitter, like, uh, oh, this is gross. Why are you even doing this? What the hell is the point of this? All of these things. 
And I was like, what is everyone talking about? So I look, what does this have to do with what, what did Lizzo do? What is this weirdness? I don't even want to, do I even want to know? And I look and it's national archives brings out James Madison's crystal flute. I, I, I guess perhaps it's like never been played or something. And then she played it. And I was like the national archives, the same people who were responsible for the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Ah, okay. For those of you who don't, remember or don't recall the entire reason for the raid on mar-a-lago was because of a dispute um was a dispute between the national archives and the trump administration over presidential records so i'm sure everyone's kind of already aware of this because it's it's sort of the dead horse that's been beaten but it is that the you know president of the united states gets to designate what a presidential record is but at the same time the national archives gets to demand all communications and everything having to do with the presidential administration well the national archives were the people that were having the legal beef with the trump administration that resulted in the doj authorizing a raid of trump's mar-a-lago residence so that's the only thing that I've heard about in any recent memory having to do with the National Archives. And then for zero reason whatsoever, Lizzo, the rapper, walks over and plays a crystal flute. And as Colleen is saying here, this was this was um, Alan's initial reaction. Saw a video of her playing it at the National Archives, and it was awesome. Then they had to go and make a retarded liberal spectacle of it um in leotards on stage yeah that was exactly my my take on it was why like her playing it at the national archives okay like we have a lady that plays the flute she's playing the flute i i can't be all that upset about this this is a this seems respectful to the the artifact and then they had her drag it out on stage and twerk on stage with it and i thought that was a bit much well and so this is the interesting part was you didn't actually even know who Lizzo was. And I had to explain to you, like, Lizzo's not a flute player. She's a rapper. And immediately it's like something clicked in your brain. You were like, no, oh, okay, this was performative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is more of the kind of weird and dumb loyalty pledges that have to occur in liberal America so people can line up and show everyone what side they're on. Now, I could I could drill into this a lot more if I really wanted to. The, the, the big thing that I really just want to point out was this was dumb, and I don't think anybody really got it, but it also made zero sense. For some weird reason, the National Archives decided that they needed to inject themselves into popular culture for no reason, because it's the freaking National Archives. Like, nobody cares. But they want to drive themselves into popular culture because now everything has to be political and everybody has to choose a side and bend the knee and all this other nonsense. And so after the National Archives is the reason why a presidential administration was raided by the FBI and their name keeps coming up in the news, some dumb PR firm was like, what if we got a rap star to do something with like one of your archivey things? And then everyone will clap. That seems really bizarre, though. It does. That somebody was sitting there at the National Archives looking at James Madison's crystal, or happened upon it. It's like, hey, this cool flute's sitting on this rack. Have we ever brought it out for anything? And then it's like, I know. Let's get 
of all the people in the world to come play this. Not, you know, the lead flautist of the Washington, D.C. Philharmonic. Not someone that exclusively publishes flute albums. Not the lead flautist for Jethro Tull. But the rapper Lizzo is who we're going to call to play this flute. That's really bizarre. That's an extremely just strange line of logic, and I don't really understand it. The only way that I can rationalize it is this will piss off the conservatives. Yeah. I mean, because other otherwise, it's all just dumb. Like, what yeah, the hell is the point of any of this? Yeah, it's either this will piss off the conservatives or, or... I, the director of the National Archives, am looking to advance my career, and what better way to play to the uh, political winds of the Biden administration? True enough. And also, always, always a potential. <laughs> so, but it was just, it's its just dumb. It's dumb and silly. Um, I'm sure that some of it, or at least in the Twitterverse, um, is being dragged into the whole idea of people's anger and rage towards, you know, James Madison, because, you know, this was, of course, you know, um, well, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, right? It, it's just like the whole idea is it's a founding father and, oh, we're going to show them. There's probably a little bit of that, too. I know, you know there I, definitely are a bunch of liberal activists have definitely been cheering about it because, like, Oh, man, James Madison owned slaves, and now this brave, fat black woman is playing his flute. Take that, racism. So I yeah. know that there are people on the left that are cheering this for exactly those reasons. That, wow, something to disrespect the American heritage? Hooray! Now, yeah. whether that was explicitly the desire of the National Archives, I can't really speak to it. But it definitely is being taken that way by a lot of people, by a, lot of, by a number of left-wing activists. Well, you can certainly, I guess the best way to say that is you can't say whether or not the National Art, if that was the explicit purpose of the National Archives, but if the National Archives are a bunch of liberal activists, then it's almost a given that that was the, that that was the reason. Well, yeah. And so <laughs> now we just have to ask ourselves whether or not there's a bunch of liberal activists at the National Archives and well, I don't know. <laughs> so certainly seems like a reasonable assumption yeah no it's just it, all of it was it was silly and dumb of course but you know here we are uh that that's that's life these days um but obviously it's just more of the inundation of you know you you can't just you're never going to be allowed to get away from politics because the way that, um, yeah, the, the, the way, the way that they, that the liberalism forces itself basically into culture and needs, and needs to keep people angry and pissed off. That's the reality, right. um, is that they have to make everything a left or right issue. And it's amazing because this wasn't the, like, it's almost like there's a full court press for this type of thing because of all the people in the world. Um, you have Adam Kinzinger for zero explicable reason whatsoever, all over Twitter attacking literally anyone, even the most neocon of conservatives right now over Putin and all of this weird nonsense. Uh -huh. And 
it's this very strange scenario where it seems like basically anybody who's working on behalf of the Democrat Party heading into the midterms is they need they they need to push division more and more and more. But maybe for whatever reason, the playbook has been wasted and they can't do like a Black Lives Matter level, you know, type attack. Mm -hmm. And so this is probably going to get worse and there's probably going to be even more of these types of situations coming where you're just going to see the most weird and ham fisted jamming of politics into popular culture worse than it already has been. Like it's going to be super blatant is I think what I'm trying to kind of get into on that. Sure. Sure. Um, so with that being said, there's obviously a lot of other things happening. One, speaking of politicizing stuff, there was a massive hurricane. I mean, we're still getting rain from uh, the leftovers of it uh, here in Virginia, but Hurricane Ian couldn't even just be like, it, we, we couldn't have just had a hurricane, right? We have hurricanes all the time. In fact, weirdly enough, we went eight, like we have not actually had such a dry spell of hurricane activity um, in, in, in the fall, you know, the end of summer and the fall months in 80 years. But you wouldn't know that if you asked literally any of the quote experts, uh, because this is all because of global warming. We went the oh. longest in these months that we ever have without a hurricane, but then we had one. And so it was because of global warming or I'm sorry, climate change. The dry spell was also because of climate change, but everything's because of climate change. Therefore, nothing can't be, be, be you, you get the idea, huh. but, <laughs> but it's, it was a hurricane. It was, uh, a pr it was a pretty large one. I think it was, I think the last time they had something that powerful was about a hundred years ago, uh, which is strange because that one wasn't because of climate change. I'm assuming, I don't know. You just, I I'm, I'm not a scientist, I guess. Uh, but I have to admit, and Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen any real negativity in regards to Florida. Cause I remember when hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. That was a huge deal during the whole Trump administration. It was, you know, we are dying. You know, you had that like yep. pathetic mayor mm -hmm. that was on CNN. And while her people had zero power, no running water and everything, she was able to get like screen printed t-shirts made so she could yeah. go on CNN and try to, I don't know, raise money or complain. steal more federal funds. Yeah, complain. Yeah. I, oh, so I remember complain. I remember that it was a huge deal under Trump, how that was like, there's this hurricane and people are without power and there's this sea lift and it's all his fault. And I haven't seen, actually, I mean, it's surprisingly, I haven't seen very much in many reactions to this. Now, maybe the devastation wrought by this hurricane in Florida is confined only to a few smaller, a uh, few areas, like Fort Myers, for example, but... I'm, I don't know. Mostly it seems like this hurricane I've just seen kind of ignored more than anything else. It's what's amazing to me was it looks like it was a very good response. Well, that's it good. looks like the preparation was, I mean, as good as it can get, like, I don't, I'm not a ghoul like liberals who want to sit there and look at massive devastation and death and the destruction of people's livelihoods and then try to politicize it. But I will have to admit, it looks like DeSantis had everything lined up properly. It looks like 
he was able to get ahead of the curve. And what's interesting is now, regardless of that, while they're trying to rebuild and figure things out and get everything, you know, back into order and help the people who need to be helped, he has to battle the administration itself in a political battle of bullshit. Because mm. Kamala Harris, I wasn't able to pull this audio, but I, I'll read the quote here. Kamala Harris came out talking about Hurricane Ian relief and said that the Biden administration is going to focus on, quote, giving resources based on equity oh, by directing hooray. funds to communities of color. Well, isn't that great? I'm, I'm pretty so, sure it's also illegal, but it's amazing how the Civil Rights Act only works in one direction. It's fascinating that there are people, I mean, in, in like, I, I'm not, I, I'm not over dramatizing this. I've, I've had friends that had hurricanes hit and yes, obviously when you're in a hurricane zone, sure. Like people understand that these things can happen. And sometimes certain things fail that have, haven't failed in a hundred years, you know, or what have you. And, and things can just go terribly. It doesn't change you can tell somebody don't live in Florida, don't live in Texas, don't live here, don't live there all you want. It doesn't change the fact that the entire bottom floor of their home is flooded and oh, also yeah. everything sure. in it has been destroyed. You know, and oh, you yeah. know, I had I had a a particular friend that um she moved to uh Texas <laughs> and then the next year like bought a house, moved to Texas and then the next year the entire bottom floor of her house was completely flooded and destroyed. Oh, Can't really awful. prepare somebody for that, you know, like, but while these people are wading around in potentially toxic water, uh, because of, you know, chemicals and sewage and everything else going on, all of their, oh, yeah. you know, possessions are destroyed. Their homes are destroyed and they're, you know, living, thank God we live in a wonderful country where people are being supported by their own neighbors, by their own nation out there, helping them and, and making sure that at least their basic needs are met. So it's not as bad as it could be, but it's still pretty rough. You have a presidential administration that's making this about race, that's turning this into a political like lottery. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Like they are turning human suffering into a freaking lottery. Yeah. Well, I was actually I've been talking about this with uh I have some relatives in Florida just today. And one of the things they mentioned was, you know, even let's say the if you navigate all the insurance and like all the that nonsense and you get all the money worth but if your house but you know you get all the money for all of your stuff in your house just the fact that you have to then find a new place to live and buy a new you know buy a new tv and buy a new all the stuff it's like even if it works out as best as it possibly can it still would throw your life in such disarray that it would be a, a just life altering event yeah, you're so, talking at a yeah. minimum months of you having to completely readjust how you live your life. Yeah, well, and, and it's all gone. It's like it's not coming back. Like if your house is destroyed or even if it's just flooded and water damaged, I mean, it's all going to have to be demolished. Like it just, it wouldn't just go back to the way it was after the water recedes. It'd be a whole, you'd be probably for the next six months rebuilding and getting and adjusting to the new situation. So yeah, my heart goes out to the people in Florida, anybody that had their home destroyed. That's That's got to be a terrible thing to have to deal with. Are your relatives doing all right? We're, or, or Oh yeah, just they're fine. They're in, a part of, they're in a part of Florida that just got a bunch of rain and was isolated from any of the worst, uh, worst of it. Yeah. Well, no. And, and I mean, that's, that's good. And 
like there people <laughs> there there are resilient people in Florida. I'm going to be honest. Like there uh you know we we obviously we, I know some people uh when when we were at this reunion um right when I was meeting up with these uh vets and stuff. There's some guys there that were from Florida. And um they're kind of used to it. But at the same time, I- admittedly, they got pissed at stuff like this. You know, mm-hmm. that like they their communities were hit, people that they knew were hit. And then they see this kind of crap come across where they're talking about, oh, well, we're going to make sure it's distributed to communities of color. And they're like, are you like it, it, it was it wasn't even a political thing. It was just the disgust that these people had. Over the idea of like, you're going to turn this into another one of those things. And of mm-hmm. course they are. So, yeah. So there's that. But in addition to that, I don't know a lot about this. Um, all I'm going to tell everybody is just hang on because things are going to get crazy. But it was announced yesterday that Deutsche Bank um, is like on the verge of collapse. Um, yeah. Similarly, um, the uh, pound tumbled. Like Western Europe is like falling apart. Well, as it should. They they were incre- they they screwed themselves with their nonsense green energy business stuff they became totally dependent on russia and then they decided that they were going to just sanction away their entire source of energy and their economies are now plummeting because everything relies on energy it's not computers it doesn't rely on computers it doesn't rely on you know software it doesn't rely on it relies on energy if you don't have mm-hmm. energy you can't run a economy you can't run a country you can't have industry you can't move goods and because they were sitting in an ivory tower i seemingly thinking they were isolated from the negative repercussions of their actions they were as we as a whole europeans were irresponsible in how they preserved the good things their ancestors had built and now they're dealing with the consequences and i hope it caused them to reconsider some of their their for their projects <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do it, but I really want to know what you censored out of that statement. <laughs> um, I'm going to say they're uh, shit liberty, maybe. Oh, okay. Well, you know, right? Because, um, because they bought they bought the whole climate change narrative so much, and were basically just like, and they were just arrogant Europeans that thought they were just better than everybody. I don't know. And just it seems incredibly arrogant the way that Europe has taken itself, and it's. I don't know what the average European feels. Maybe they're as outraged about this as I think they should be. But Germany went from being one of the top economies in Europe that was saving the EU by bailing out Greece and and suddenly they're, they now can't heat their homes and are going to have people possibly freezing to death this winter. You, right. That doesn't happen unless you, you as a body politic continually elect people that are incompetent and pursue policies that are do not have your nascent interest um, at its core. Well, it's not like anyone in Germany is allowed to vote for anyone that has their nation's interest at heart, because the minute anyone who's even even remotely not just a globalist cuck 
for the European Union and the United Nations, they're just going to get accused of being the rebirth of Nazism. So, of course, everything that they have is just a way station for uh, the global technocracy to just steal money. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, I can't I can't imagine how much how much it has to suck. Like we think it's bad in the United States with the accusation. And we're of course, you know, this is the perfect segue that we're gonna get into Italy. Um, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine how bad it must be. Like in the United States, it's annoying because they always just accuse anybody who's not just a complete left-wing Marxist of being a Nazi. But imagine being in Germany. In Germany, oh. like, can you even have a populist candidate? Are you even allowed to have anyone who says put Germans first? Are you even allowed to say, are they even allowed to say the word like Deutschland in their own, like, are they allowed to, or is that also maybe some Nazi stuff? Like, are you allowed uh, to even talk about not. the past or anything like that? Like, are you basically, is it, are elections in Germany, like who actually trashes the country the most? Because I feel like the minute somebody says anything positive about it, uh, they get labeled the next Hitler. That seems to be Uh, how liberalism goes. Right. I think that across the entire Western world, anybody that wants to keep that wants to advocate for their nations and not the ruinous globalist projects is considered a Nazi fascist. And right. that goes probably doubly so in Germany because the psychological weapons deployed after World War II have absolutely cowed the populace into being mindless sheep. Well, maybe not mindless sheep, but at least it's a nation of cowards for good reason. If you advocated for your, your nation's interest, unlike the United States where we have free speech, there you can probably be, jail- be jailed under oh, suspicion yeah, of Nazism or some nonsense. And I'm sure, and think about how smug and awful liberals are in the United States. Imagine if you were in Germany, how smug and awful they would be when they could constantly say, well, we're just trying to prevent the next Hitler. We're trying to, us Germans are so awful. We produced Hitler. We need to destroy our country and import a million Africans. (laughs) Speaking of the importation of a bunch of refugees for reasons, um, which we'll get to. Well, yeah. So Italy had an election. They uh, elected the first female prime minister. Um, but apparently she's a fascist, so she's not going to be on the cover of Vogue. Oh, no. Oh, wow. That's- she's a fascist because she openly talks about working on behalf of Italy. Uh, she openly talks about being Christian and being a mother. And she's not okay with all the trans stuff. She's not okay with all the, I guess, CRT type uh, things going on. Oh, and also uh, she's asking the solid question of why are we immigrating all of these people? That's Which, a very by the way, question. Why are they immigrating like a, all of those people? I feel like a trick is being played because, and, and maybe I'm ignorant to this, but I always hear them referred to as refugees. There's always like for Italy specifically, it's a lot of African refugees, but what are they refugees from? Uh, Climate change, probably. That's what I mean. Like there's an awful lot of refugees nowadays, not connected to any type of conflict or famine. Yeah. 
you know, like there's, you know, refugees from X, like usually that that's, that's where it goes. And yeah, I uh, like, I, I'm, so I'm, what you're saying is I'm not ignorant. They literally no, did not just do the whole, crazy. yeah, there's nothing. These, these people are only fleeing the fact that they don't want to live in their countries. Okay. And so they're, it, they're it, illegal it, it immigrants. Is. Yeah. They're illegal immigrants and they're being granted refugee status by a bunch of globalists who have the, who have and have had for the last let's say 40 years at minimum, had the goal of making Europe no longer homogenous. The entire goal of this, as stated in their own literature of these non-government groups that are working as hard as they can to ensure that people from Africa are flooding into Europe. This is the, the whole refugee crisis from Africa in the Middle East flooding into Europe. The, the organizations that are spearheading the effort to ensure that that happens are doing so with the stated goal of ensuring that Europe becomes more quote diverse, which really, what really means is that Germany stops being German. Italy stops being Italian. England stops being English because much like the United States is being flooded with immigrants, especially from the Southern border with, as the Democrats put it, the stated goal of ensuring they can dilute the vote of red areas and make it so that their power cannot be challenged. It is exactly the same thing in Europe. Europe is being invaded from the South, just like America is being invaded from the South. And the people doing it are doing it with the express goal of ensuring there cannot be a homogenous group of people that all shares the same identity of Italians, Germans, English, who then advocate for that group, much like we are seeing in Italy. All, all this candidate is saying, I forget, and Maloney, I believe is his name, all her, she is, is like, we're Italy, the people in Italy are Italians, and Italians as a people have a right to sovereignty and self-determination. And yep. that makes her a fascist. That also is what made Donald Trump a fascist as well, saying we shouldn't be flooded with illegal immigrants. Anyone that opposes that, what, they are, what they're saying when they oppose that is they are saying that the existing populations of places are a unique, cohesive group of people that have their own sovereignty and sh should not be diluted away. It that, doesn't and it's a divide and conquer strategy. These globalist groups, it is a divide and conquer strategy to ensure that their power cannot be challenged by groups banding together in some sort of, let's say, populist uprising. They can make it so there can't be a populist uprising because there's too many now disparate groups that don't share the same goals that can never unify together and throw off their shackles. But it never even goes, it doesn't even ever go that, uh, like, as deep as, as what you're putting. Literally, oh, no, I, what I'm saying is it does go that deep. It goes that deep in the way that these non-government organizations talk to each other. The th what the World Economic Forum says in their own papers right. is exactly right, 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 as right. deep. What, what I mean is, is the accusations. All somebody needs to do is even ah. remotely suggest that they are going to be focused primarily on their own citizens, you know, like a rational right. human being would as a politician and that gets them the moniker of fascist which just understand that if you're going to start telling generations of americans that a politician caring about their people is a caring about and putting their people in their nation first 
makes them fascist. Just don't be alarmed or shocked when people start saying fascism's maybe a good thing. Yeah. Because what people aren't getting from their politicians is anyone giving a shit about them or their struggles. Yeah. And because of that, you know, we now have to sit and we have to sit through this hell of, uh, uh, of watching just everything fall apart. And the minute somebody says, I want to fix this, you just, you have people screeching fascism. (laughs) Right. Which really is hilarious because can you define fascism? No, because it's been memory hold. Yeah, I, I there isn't as far as it, it is very difficult for anyone to pin down what is quote fascism, other than it's when the left fascism is when the left is doesn't like a thing, and the more they don't like a thing, the more fascist it is. Right, right. It's very fascisty. Uh, yeah, there, there's a curve there. You <laughs> know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, like no, but that's but that is exactly it. Yeah, you can't define it because you're not allowed to know what it was. Um, right. You just need to know that it was evil. Um, and, you know, some some would theorize that uh, the reason why you're not allowed to know about it is because nothing in its ideology necessarily led to some of some of the aspects of what people, you know, you know, say Adolf Hitler or maybe some. I don't actually know a lot about Mussolini. We everything about World yeah. War II was Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. It would not even shock me. If uh, the majority of people in the United States didn't even know that there was a war against Japan in World War II, it was all Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. Everything about it was Hitler. Um, so there's like zero acknowledgement of a war occurring like in the Pacific until people go, oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Pearl Harbor. Um, but at that same token, nobody really knows anything about Mussolini except for when people have to mention him in conjunction with Adolf Hitler. So then they go, okay, he was super bad. Um, you know, Mussolini super bad because Hitler, but on that, they don't really know. And, and I think a lot of that is because, um, as we've, we have covered before, um, the entire reason for a lot of the fascist, um, movements and national socialist movements that occurred in Europe were a direct reaction to communism. And that is a thing that they want to hide. They being the left, they want there to be international communism. And not only was international communism, every single time it's instituted resulting in death and enslavement and butchery by every single dictator, every single person who has instituted communism in a country has resulted in an awful security state that murders its own civilians for centralized power every single time, but it also brings with it a likely fascist uh, reactionary movement that tries to fight it back because, and then you basically end up in a civil war. But I have to wonder, and maybe people are going to get upset about this, but I know our audience is smart enough to understand what I mean. I have to wonder if the entire demonization of fascism as a political aspect is all just the fact that academia and the people who wrote the history books were pro-communist. Because to your point, I cannot define for you what fascism is except for uh, something that's not liberal, also maybe Hitler. Yeah. 
That's it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can tell you about Benito Mussolini is uh, he was hung from a lamppost. He made the trains run on time. Also, maybe Hitler. Right. <laughs> and I think that's all any, that's all most people know. And But it is shocking because when you think about how little people are taught about what specifically fascism is other than it's when bad things. Because what would be the question? The question would be, what is the difference between fascism, so let's say Nazi Germany? And let's even take the meme of Nazi Germany. Like, oh, it was this horrible police state and everyone was afraid on the streets. How is that different than the Soviet Union? Oh, it's not at all. Like, what would be the functional difference? When people Uh, say fascism, all they mean is the government is scary. It's like, no, I I can tell you one. It's an authoritarian, scary government. Okay, well, was the Soviet Union fascist? Because I, it, it fits the popular definition that I see everywhere. But then I'm left with looking at it. It's like, but the Nazis... I hated the communists. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of the Nazis themselves described it as we're anti-communist and our whole goal of joining the Nazi party was to be anti-communist. So there clearly is some divide, some big divide between fascism and communism because every time fascism and communism fight. And so, if, but if they're both exactly the same as, well, they're authoritarian and mean to people. Okay, well, what's the actual difference? Because every time they fight. In Italy, Mussolini fought with the communists, won, took control of the country. Nazi Germany, the Nazis fought for over the whole 20s and 30s, fought with the communists, eventually won a, won a, won a victory. In uh, Spain, it was the fascists versus the communists, and, then the, and the fascists there won. But why is every time the fascists and the communists fight? What, what well, is it about fascism that is incompatible with communism? Well, and know, it has to be some very specific thing that's not just fascism is when the government is authoritarian. I can tell you the one fundamental difference. And I, mm-hmm. obviously, you and I have actually read depth deep onto this. But to be fair, like it is actually difficult for us to find defining things. And I can tell you one oh. fundamental difference. And it's private property. That, that is a big one, yeah. That That was a big fundamental difference between the two. Um, was private property. Um, communism cannot allow any bit of private property. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, but the, the real point of what we're trying to get into is the whole thing here is you can't, the inability for people to actually accurately define what it is because it got memory hold for whatever reason, you know, we went, we, we have some of our theories of it, of course, um, doesn't really matter. The inability for anyone to define it means that now it's just whatever the left hates and whatever the left hates is fascism. And at a certain point, you have people like Maloney who won uh, exceedingly well, right? I, I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm sure I could I could look it up real quick. Um, but, you know, ha- had a decisive victory um, in Italy and uh yeah i think she doubled it was something crazy it was like she doubled the uh the amount of her opponent um obviously they have a dumb parliamentary deal um but um she doubled her uh the other party um in the parliamentary elections so exceedingly popular what happens if maloney does well as the prime minister of italy 
are they going to unfascist her or are they going to try to walk it back? Because I want everyone to understand, like, is she somewhat right wing? Yes, but she's also a European right wing. That is not, it is not the same, you know, like, right. it, by, by a long shot. And that doesn't mean good, bad, or indifferent. Let's just be honest. Well, actually, the way I should have really opened this is uh, zero people knew anything about any of this until last week when everybody on the left said, oh, big scary. That's it. Right. Yeah. Like zero Americans, people forgot Italy was a country until last week when they elected somebody. And zero people knew who Georgia Maloney was. Uh, but they what they do know is uh, she's, I mean, God, she's basically Adolf Hitler uh, in a pantsuit. Pretty much. Ooh, it's because, awful. Yeah. Because the people, because the people on, on the TV man said so. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it's very, it, very confusing. It, it was the surest proof not that i really felt i needed anymore but it was like the surest proof that so much of liberalism is just driven by people who don't want to think for themselves and want to be spoon-fed like spoon-fed bullshit just please tell me what to think i want to know what to think like uh, let, let's turn on the tv so they can tell me what to think because i saw so many people like i'm just praying for italy in these dark times it's like you don't even you don't there's no you don't know shit about this you've never you even been zero. to italy like you, you didn't even know Italy was having an election. You know nothing about Georgia M Maloney. You know zero about any of this. But someone on TV, you were listening to NPR this morning, smugly, you know, to yourself, probably driving in your car with a freaking mask on, and you heard like, oh, Irma Gerd, fascist person, and you just went onto Twitter and were like, I'm so worried about what's happening in Italy, and it's like, oh my god, like. At least we can acknowledge that we didn't know anything about yeah. this. <laughs> because why do I care? I one of the care. nicest things, one of the nicest things about being on the right in the United States of America is that I also believe in the self-determination of other countries. Yeah, and it's and honestly, if someone said a right-wing person got elected in Italy, I I wouldn't care because I identify as relatively right-wing and I and I and I know the playbook. I mm -hmm. I know anytime anyone in the news makes a big deal about someone being right wing, it probably is someone being elected that's, that is probably in my interest that they're in office. So if it honestly, it sounds like, oh my, I, give me the fascist index. That's what I want. I want the fascist index, and that's how I know who to vote for. I want the I want to vote for <laughs> who, the most fascist candidates I possibly can because those are candidates that for sure are not turncoats and are actually going to take a stand against the left. It's like now what you mean what you mean by I, that I, is like, fascist the, according to the left, right? Yeah, exactly. I call up the uh, Anti-Defamation League, ask them if they can send me a, if they can rank every politician uh on a, a scale of 1 to 100 in fascistness and then send that back to me and then I'll then I'll know who is trustworthy and who I should vote for and who to avoid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Like what's the fascist quotient for Mitch McConnell? Is he like fascist adjacent? He's, he's not fascist. And then because that's what I would. That's that's how the best way to. Honestly, I that decision, I decided a while ago. It's like you can really just base your politics off of who does the left hate, and that still is a 
a pretty darn good metric. I have not yet been disappointed by that metric so far. Yeah, you've really been trying to defeat it, too. You regularly check your work on it because you're like, this is not an honest or proper way to do any analysis. Oh, let's see how not. it goes. And like every week when we have our call, you're like, well, damn it, still working. <laughs> yeah, still works great. Still works great. Like, hey, the uh, left really hates this person and uh, they're doing an awesome job. Like the left is kind of being nice to this person. Probably a turncoat piece of crap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 hang on. Did you just, uh, did you just tell me that CNN was slightly nice to that Republican? Or, we can't trust that guy. He's nope, they're dead us. to me. Yep. <laughs> but to your point, still works. Still um, works. Now, uh, Nancy, speaking of, you know, because one, one of the big reasons why Maloney apparently is just the most fascisty fa fascist that ever fascist, um, is because of her feelings on immigration. Oh, and Nancy Pelosi actually had a really good quote about immigration, um, in regards to Florida, uh, which is weird. And so I think we finally figured out, uh, the real baseline and, uh, Forgive me, Alan, for getting a little bit of the Dinesh D'Souza's in on this, but it is, it's so much fun and it's just too easy. Um, but this was Nancy, what Nancy Pelosi claims that she's hearing from farmers in Florida with regards to uh, immigration. We have a shortage of workers in our country. And you see even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers saying, why are you shipping these uh, immigrants uh, up north? We need them to pick the crops down here. Wow. That's amazing. First off, she needs to get a she needs to add a new layer of glue to those dentures because I can hear him slurring around in her mouth as she tries to talk. I think second, that's the vodka. Yeah, my maybe it is. But secondly, it's just like uh, like what? <laughs> like uh, they want to send these immigrants up to Martha's Vineyard, but they need them to pick the crops down there. Like that's hilarious also she's advocating for those farmers to do something illegal because it is illegal to employ any of these immigrants yep and we have a job we, we, we have an employment what, what was it she said there was a job hang on we job have a shortage, shortage of workers in our country yeah. we have a shortage of workers in our country i don't so we have, agree with that at all so we have we have zero unemployment Yeah. Uh, do, do we have zero unemployment? Did I miss that part? Uh, apparently we do. Yeah. So, but yeah, apparently we have a, a shortage of workers in this country, which I don't believe is true, but uh, Colleen actually has a really good solution, which by the way, makes hmm. her a fascist. I don't know if you guys know uh -oh. this or not. Oh, uh, no. So Colleen has actually had to, she's now become a fascist uh, because she says, send everyone who's been on welfare for over a year. Yeah. Boom. Uh, she, Colleen is now a fascist, uh, because she came up with a solution that wasn't, uh, open the border and do what Nancy Pelosi says. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you any know, solution, uh, any the... solution that isn't mass immigration, uh, is fascist. So <laughs> she, she just typed Hi Heil Trump. <laughs> oh, no. uh, sorry. Hang on a second. My, uh, headphones became unplugged. Oh, oh well, we can't have that now. Can we? Um, this is all my fault. It is. Oh, I'm back. I can hear things again. 
I jumped backward. Uh, I actually legitimately laughed and pulled my head back and unplugged my own headphones like an idiot. Huh. Um, <laughs> that is funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're all extreme. Whispers have a Red Bull. That was HD cynical. Um, Fantastic. No, it's 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 so dumb. But, but that is a good solution, right? Like how, how it doesn't. Nancy Pelosi is complaining that there is a shortage of workers in the United States, but we're, there are people who are legitimately being crushed by, um, legitimately being crushed by inflation, gas prices, supply chain, everything. And yeah. she has the gall to basically say, well, we have a worker shortage, so we just need to keep adding immigrants into the system. Yep. Not going to go and well. bad idea. Well, and at, at, at the same, at the same token, it's just, that's really what it is. It is, it, it, this, this isn't the whole Democrats are the real racist. Remember how they used to be the KKK. It's not that it's just, it is because there, there are aspects of, of the right wing of the conservative movement, especially the early neocon movement of the early two thousands, the entire buttress of illegal immigration and high high amounts of immigration in this country is for slave labor. It is all about getting the GDP to go a half a percent to 1% higher yeah. by being able to bring in workers who you do not have to give standard wages to. It is a workaround. Inst instead of this country doing the hard work of asking itself whether or not the way that we do minimum wage in this country and all these other things and all the employment yeah. regulations that we have, instead of doing the hard work of looking at that and saying, is that actually the proper way, correct way to run this economy? They say, well, why don't we just do a workaround and import people basically as slaves? Anyone who supports what Nancy Pelosi just said supports slavery because it's the same damn thing. Why right. not just not pay them at all? Yeah. If the whole point is, well, they need them to pick crops down here because they don't want to pay them more than $2 an hour. Why pay them at all, man? Give them some free room and board. You're let's put up some laws that say you're not allowed to like hit them or, you know, trade them like cattle, but you know, they can't vote. Um, you know, they're, they're, they don't have citizenship. They're not people in the United States. Um, and you can just work them in the field. And that would make the GDP boost even higher. And if that's the goal, which it appears to be, right? Mm -hmm. Then why not just have slavery? This sounds like a workaround because slavery was made illegal. Right. And it's all based in this idea of they'll do jobs Americans won't do. Well, if you can't pay people enough to pick oranges, then that's a problem with the way the U.S. economic system works and probably a bunch of government regulations we have in the, on the books and not a problem with oranges. It's like, it's like we decided I want these things to stay this price and I don't have to care what, I don't care what we have to do to make that happen. It's like, okay, well, if there's, if no one wants to pick strawberries for a dollar a day, then strawberries are either going to have to get more expensive or we're going to have to change some rules so you can legally pay people a dollar a day to pick strawberries. Yeah. This is one of those things that I've always been shocked because the free market answer to this, well, the supposedly what the conservative answer should be is no lock down the border and then allow these farmers to 
do whatever they need to do to get the crops done, to get the crops sold, to get the crops picked. It the the option of import were import workers who will work for cheap. It's like, but why do we have a minimum wage laws then? Why do we have worker protection laws? Why do we have any of these laws which hamper every other business? And then we just allow, well, or your business can illegally employ people and then just make a bunch of profit. So anybody that supports illegal immigration clearly doesn't support all those other laws because they're actively working to make sure that minimum wage laws aren't implemented, to make sure worker protection laws aren't implemented because illegal immigration is the workaround around those things that the left especially holds as sacrosanct. Like imagine if you said, we're going to get rid of minimum wage uh, so that these poor farmers in Florida can legally hire American citizens to do this work on their farms. They probably still would have people showing up. Look, these illegal immigrants are not getting paid nothing. They're making enough money that they can live in the United States while they're working and then still have money to send home. So maybe that they're, right. they're clearly getting paid enough money that they can buy food for themselves. That they're not that they can exist in the United States, not on welfare. And why can't we be paying Americans that? Because the government made it illegal to do that. And because the entire intent of, of illegal immigration is to change the makeup of this country and make it so that we are more likely to fight amongst ourselves than to fight the people trying to rule us. Yeah. And, and, and the entire purpose of it as, you know, a drunken or possibly denture slipping Nancy Pelosi said um, is, well, no, we need them to pick the crops, which is a pathetic reason to completely lambast your country and have MS 13 and fentanyl and everything else coming across the border. Like, yeah. I don't care about, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's always the whole thing. Well, but like, what about the GDP? You guys are screwing up the ability for economic success in the United States that honestly, strawberries costing a dollar more, um, isn't going to make it any worse. Yeah. It's and to your point, by the way, lock down the border and I guarantee they will find a way to automate processes. If truly Americans will not work that job then they will find, we or have something. done it before. Or something. Mostly the, the answer is not to just import cheap labor until the cows come home. And yeah, you all you're doing do is proving, you're just proving that our labor laws are bullshit. It's all lip service. None right. of you actually believe in it because it, you if if it was supposedly a moral thing, which is what we're told, then you should be horrified that this is happening. You are not, so we know that that's bullshit. Yeah. Makes sense? Yep. Because it should be even worse. These 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 are brown people, Alan. Ew. No. <laughs> like, I don't know how to react to that. Uh you? No. <clears throat> so I just I did find that entertaining. But uh, point yeah. is, is, you know, th that that's, by the way, for those of you who don't know, uh, like we were saying, that's what made uh, Maloney a big fascist was because she uh said no we're not doing this oh and by the way for for those who actually didn't know because i did do some research you want to know what made uh georgia maloney so, so popular uh in italy because What's her that? party her party in the last election in 2018 only got nine percent 
of the overall vote, which is low. Um, but she obviously her and the coalition of other groups, uh, she was propelled to the uh, you know becoming the prime minister. She was the only politician in Italy that when COVID broke out, she said, we need a travel ban from China. And she was called a racist. Then she said, we cannot do these lockdowns. They are going to irrevocably hurt Italian citizens far more than this virus will. She was the only politician that did that. And she just got elected prime minister. So that should tell you something about how everyday people are reacting as long as, because uh, let's get to the main meat of the show. Um, That is how regular people are reacting as long as they remember who was responsible and the largest driving factor for all the COVID nonsense. A lot of what you're seeing in Europe, because I believe it was Sweden that also, I don't, I don't know anything about the Swedish election, but they also supposedly uh, elected a fascist or somebody who's just, I don't know, moderately right wing. Um, these are direct reactions to a lot of the COVID nonsense and the economic nonsense that's occurring after COVID because it destroyed economies, which is perfect for the great reset. Yep. But the reason why I say, as long as people are able to remember what happened during COVID, there's some concern and there's some Mm -hmm. concern that there might be, this is a, this is a conspiracy theory. So folks, those of you who, get really upset at people thinking outside the box, even just for fun, you can move on to something else. But what if some of what's driving international policy in the United States is just hoping to be able to start a war before like the midterm elections. So people will talk about that war and everything else, instead of talking about the dismal economic and coronavirus policies that were perpetrated upon American citizens by Biden and other liberals? I don't know if that made any sense or not. And I may have, I may have lost Alan. I'm not sure, which sucks because this is the part of the show that he's like the most excited about. Um, but of course, some of what I'm talking about has to do with uh, the pipeline that burst. And there's a ton of opinions in regards to what's going on with the pipeline. Uh, but of course, I kind of want to reach out and <laughs> see what happened to Alan because I paused okay. for effect and then I got no um, no response from him. Yeah. So you know how um, my internet goes down? There is obviously a large and legitimate concern regarding what's going on with Ukraine, because uh, we talked about this last week. We mentioned the movements of uh, the the fact that there were votes that were occurring uh, in in some of these regions on whether or not they wanted to join Russia, the regions of Ukraine. Um, And obviously, we, we, we talked about how difficult it can be. Um, we talked about how difficult it can be, uh, for these people to, uh, hear, or sorry, how difficult it can be for us to know whether or not something's true, because we're told that it's a sham referendum. And we asked, well, what if it's true though? But Alan, you do have some opinions on the referendum and some of the background, correct? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So 
I have so they Russia had all these they had all these referendums in a number of the provinces of Ukraine that have essentially been in rebellion against the Ukrainian government since 2014. And they did these referendums. And the referendums came back that, yes, we, the independent republics of at least Donetsk, Luhansk, and I believe there's a third one, but its name, I forget its name right now, maybe Kyrgyzstan, but I'm not sure. These places, which had previously declared themselves independent, independent sovereign states outside of Ukraine in 2014, then they fought a civil war against the Ukraine, and those independent sovereign states recently just voted that we would like to be annexed by the Russian Federation. And the Russian Federation has agreed and said, we would love to annex you into the Russian Federation. And they are going forward with this plan. Now, they did the same thing in the Crimea when uh, in 2014. Basically, the people, they invaded Crimea. The Ukrainians fled Crimea. 50% of Ukrainian army personnel stationed in Crimea chose to basically defect to the Russian Federation. So half of all military units in Crimea, when the Russians invaded, just stayed there and switched sides. So what that kind of tells me is if half of your military forces doesn't mind Russia controlling the area, then maybe that says something about the how the people of that area also feel. Now, the Republic of Crimea, they did the same thing in 2014. They, the Russians held a referendum. The people of Crimea overwhelmingly voted to join the Russian Federation. The Russian Federation ratified it in their, in their parliament. And the international community never really recognized it. The United, the United Nations sort of condemned it, but the Russians basically said, yeah, we don't care, go pound sand. We're just gonna annex it and start administrating it as though it's part of Russia. And that's what happened. There was no official UN recognition or international recognition of the new border. The Russians just said, we recognize it. And if you don't, we don't care because we're just going to act like it's part of Russia. And so de facto it is. And they're going to do the same thing with these areas of, of Ukraine. They said, well, the people did this referendum. It is now part of Russia. We're just going to treat it like Russia. And if anybody violates it, they, if anybody attacks these areas or sends troops into them, you are sending troops into Russian territory. You are violating the territorial sovereignty of the Russian Federation, and we will respond with force. And that's exactly what they're doing. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, I, the, the weird thing about this now is because these areas of Ukraine have been annexed and added to the Russian Federation, it means that if Ukraine attacks those areas, if they do like they've done, all from 2014 up to now, if they shell the towns of that area, they send troops into those areas, they are now sending troops directly into Russia, not into some weird, wacky border state of indeterminate, of indeterminate status. They are sending troops into Russia. Now, does the international community recognize it? Doesn't matter. What matters is Russia recognizes it, and Russia now then would now have a absolute justification to respond with military force to those incursions as if it was an act of war. This makes things complicated and messy. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how this goes forward. I think one of the big reasons why Russia essentially it forces the issue for peace negotiation. If these, these areas are now 
part of Russia. Ukraine is never getting them back. They are part of Russia. And if Ukraine wants them, they can go to war with all of Russia for this. The special military operation is de facto over. And these areas have left Ukraine. War's over. What's Ukraine even fighting for now? Russian troops are moving out of Ukraine into these areas and into these areas. So if there's no longer Russian troops on, quote, Ukrainian soil, then there's no war. And this is all over and done with. So, I mean, that's my hope. That's what I think is going to happen in the next, I mean, few months here. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Now, I don't know. Of course, a lot of what you, what everyone's going to hear is, well, it was a sham vote, though. Oh, it was. You know, it's, really? a, it's a sham vote, you know, because oh, every vote that ever that? happened and uh, because uh, the guy on TV said so. Oh, the guy on TV said so. Well, I don't care what that guy says. <laughs> well, because that's, that's, I mean, and actually, issue, this is a really? good point. This is, this is a yeah. good point. The guy on TV said it was a sham vote. Well, is it? We don't know. We're taking their word for it. I think the well, last it, election in 2020 was a sham vote. So maybe I'm not going to be too critical of the Russians here. But at the same time, it's it is hard to it's hard to look at this and say, well, either it's a sham vote or it's not. And we don't know, but at the same time, if it was a here actually here's my re, my rebuttal on that. If this was a sham vote that was done illegitimately, that ruins Russia's claim to annexing these territories. Right. So it is in Russia's best interest that this vote happens as op openly and transparently as possible. Because the United Nations, easily anyone could say, well, uh, we want to evaluate this vote and determine was this vote conducted correctly? In which case then Russia has, essentially Russia's entirely doing this so that they can have a legitimate claim to these areas. And right. it is foolhardy to think that these areas that just spent the last eight years at war with Ukraine, fighting a civil war where their people were dying and their cities were getting shelled by the Ukrainian government, to think that those people, it's to think that it's so crazy and unlikely that people that have been being shelled by the Ukrainian government for eight years suddenly want would, would actually vote to join Russia at, for protection that's absolutely reasonable. So there's no reason. So, yeah. okay. Well, so in the multiple reasons, it's in Russia's best interest that this was a real vote that was conducted appropriately. They need that for the legitimacy of these areas to properly annex them. Additionally, there's no reason to believe that the people of these areas wouldn't vote to join Russia. You're a citizen of Luhansk or Donetsk. You're You've had friends that were killed in the civil war. Your house was destroyed by a stray mortar round fired from the Ukraine by the Ukrainian army. You've been fighting a civil war with Ukraine for the last eight years. Russia comes along and says, hey, we'd really love, what if you had a, I don't know, a Russian SAM site in your town that would prevent your town from getting strafed by Ukrainian aircraft as it has the last eight years. You'd say, I absolutely will vote to, for that. That seems great. What do I care that I live in the Russian Federation or the independent state of Donetsk? If I'm part of the Russian Federation, I get, I can now, my power lines can get reconnected. My sewer lines can get reconnected. The natural gas lines will get turned back on. I can, I can actually I can drive to an airport that isn't under military occupation. 
My house won't get shelled by the Ukrainian army every now and then. I won't have friends that get killed. I'll have the Russian army protecting me from these people. The fact that easily a bunch of people in these areas would vote to join Russia because they're all ethnic Russians. They were Russians 30 years ago. They were in the Soviet Union. It doesn't matter to these people. So I just the idea that this was an illegitimate sham election is crazy. This isn't like Russia invaded Ukraine and is currently fighting a counterinsurgency. It's not like the United States in Iraq. That's a very good example. How many people in Iraq wanted to vote, would vote to keep the United States there? Probably not that many. How many people in these areas of Ukraine would vote to keep the Russians there? Probably a lot. It's a, it's very different. No, I think the, I think the votes were legitimate and I think that Russia is going to add them. And then when Ukraine inevitably attacks them, it's going to be an act of war against the Russian Federation, not a special military operation. Right. And the point that the overall point that you're making here is that Russia knows that they're going to, they, they don't care what the UN says. But yep. they want to have all of the, you know, I, I don't know a better way to say this, but they are all former Soviets. And so they're going to have the paperwork in order, you know, because the Soviet yeah. Union ran basically as a giant DMV. And so at the end of the day, they're going to have all the paperwork in order that says, no, like, here's everything. Go ahead. Look at it. And then the UN goes, well, we're not going to acknowledge it. And they go, we don't care. Everything's right there. Go ahead. Find where we did something and, you know, find where we did something wrong because they're going to hamstring the United Nations to show it as basically being what they've consistently said it was. It's just an extension of, you know, whatever they want to call it, U.S. imperialism or what have you. Um, at right. the end of the day, the reality is, is the plan that this was kind of always the plan. I mean, they were always planning yeah. on taking some of these territories. Um, we said early on when this when this all kind of kicked off that there was no real intent to take Kiev. Uh, everybody still wanted to say it and there's so much disinformation and copium, if we want to be honest about what's going on in Ukraine, uh, from people on social media and people on the news where everything's just, oh my gosh, like Russia's just doing so bad. What's amazing is there was a poll that was released by the Kiev independent, which is a oxymoron at this point, because Kiev, uh, has made it illegal for there to be any non-government, uh, backed uh, media, uh, yay democracy, everyone. Right. Um, they released a, uh, a poll where they called Vladimir Putin a dictator. He's the Russian dictator, Vladimir Putin, his approval ratings. This is my favorite part. His approval ratings dropped from what were the numbers? 85% down to 77%, yeah, 77%. which so first, is very strange all, to me. First of all, they called him a dictator, but apparently there's such a thing as an approval rating for a dictator. So that made zero. The cognitive dissonance of the tweet itself was mind blowing. But, you yeah. know, evil dictator Vladimir Putin. But hang on, let's go do an opinion poll for reasons. But his approval rating dropped from 85% to 77%. And this is supposed to let us know that so many people like, oh man, he's really losing it. He has a higher approval rating than I'm pretty sure like anyone in the United States, in the United States. Now, of course, the response that we're going to get is, well, I mean, you can't trust polls in Russia. Then why the hell would the Kiev independent 
have an opinion poll out of Russia, let alone publish the damn thing, if it's all bullshit. Like, make this make sense. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It's just. If he's Which a dictator, time? why is he running opinion polls? If I can't trust the polls in the in these dist- if I can't trust the polls in these provinces of Ukraine were done correctly, how can I trust the polling on Putin is done correctly? Oh, if they're going to make a big deal, his he has been dropping in the opinion polls from eighty five percent to seventy seven percent. Okay, and we're assuming the polls are being done correctly in this instance. It doesn't, none of this makes sense. It's all nonsense and propaganda from the United States, like pushed by people that hate Russia and are just slavering over the global American empire. Well, to be fair, they don't hate Russia at all. They would love Russia if Russia was a globalist cuck nation. They hate Russia because to them, Russia, Russia and MAGA are synonyms because of all the brainwashing that happened post 2016 with everybody blaming Russia for the reason for the Democrats being corrupt. Their corruption was revealed. It was Russia's fault. That was the fall guy. Um, and so now Democrats just that it's it, it's all virtue signaling. It's all over flying the Ukrainian flag is nothing more than a virtue signal of I'm a liberal or I'm a good person because there are conservatives that there are conservatives that look at what's going on and think that they think that what they're standing up for is the sovereignty of a country. I just need them to know that zero people that are behind what is going on in Ukraine actually believe in the legitimate sovereignty of countries because um, our border is still wide open. So, yeah, no, it's, and, and like we said before, all this is, is people being like the man on the TV box said that I don't like Putin now. Right. And once again, we don't. We never know what to trust because if you look at the election results, I, what what do you guys want me to say? Right? It, it's if you look at election results in in Russia, he's been exceedingly popular, but this angers people a lot because well, all of the elections are false. Well, okay, I'm not allowed to call my elections false when there's been some real shady shit that's happened, and we have literally a dementia patient that's sitting in the White House. But every single election that doesn't seem to fit the, you know, globalist narrative, it's all false and, and you know, and yeah. wrong. But at that same time, by the way, as as Colleen is pointing out in the chat here, uh, we did overthrow the democratically elected president in Ukraine. We did do that. That's we true. were part of that. But that was in we, we overthrew the democratically elected president in Ukraine for democracy. You see, you have to understand, Colleen. When the left does it, it's for democracy. <laughs> right. Um, now, what we're obviously trying to get into here is let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But right. I'm going to actually introduce this with um, a quote from back in February uh, from President Biden discussing, you know, the, the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, and and what what's going to happen if Russia were to invade? This was prior to the invasion of Ukraine. And this is what Biden had to say about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline back then. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer. North Stream too. We we will bring an end to it. That's awfully okay. ominous. But how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project 
and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Let me answer this. Uh, what? That, that's awfully that ominous. I promise you we'll be able to do it. Oh, uh, tr tr okay. Trust me. If we don't want that pipeline there, that pipeline's going away. It's like, I, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? Because, the, the, so the speculation is the United States government using, say, Navy SEAL divers or, an under, or a torpedo or an underwater drone blew up the Nord Stream pipeline to cut off Germany from Russian natural gas. Well, it gets even weirder because we also have a statement um, recently from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken that makes uh, makes things even even more weird. Here's Blinken. Ultimately, um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Uh, that's very significant. And that that sounds like you're congratulating yourself. Um, this is also a tremendous. Yeah. Ultimately. Uh, well, okay. Well, this is an interesting, I think somewhat of an interesting point because there is something about this whole war in Ukraine that is a lot more about the economics of Europe between, between the Europe and the United States than it is about the United States versus Russia. And it very, it seems like this is a power play by the United States to keep Europe firmly within its sphere of control, more so than it is about worries about Russia. Now, one thing with this pipeline, what this pipe, what just the destruction of the pipeline, I mean, who knows who did it? There's, it seems like the United States is a culprit. I personally feel that's a little extreme. I think it's more, it just doesn't seem right somehow that the United States unilaterally would do this, even though the United States did have, was doing a naval exercise right on top of where this pipeline was the week before the incident. Uh-oh. I think Alan may have cut out, but um, the, 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 point, the point here was that it does seem it does seem a little weird to suggest that maybe the United States was directly involved here or there's a lot there that can kind of make it make make that a difficult a, a difficult call to make. But one call that we can make is what makes zero sense is why Russia would destroy their own bargaining chip. And that's kind of what we're trying to figure out here is at the time what we were doing we're looking at not only there was a mo large mobilization that was occurring within um there was a large mobilization that was occurring within russia then at the same time um germany was starting to get real twitchy because german citizens are wondering what the hell they were going to do in the coming winter because they didn't have the natural gas that they were used to getting um, from Russia because of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Remember, this was something that Trump brought up years ago. So it's, it's insane 
to hear the left and, and liberals like Anthony Blinken or even even Joe Biden talk about how great of an opportunity this is because it takes away Putin's power and control over Europe. Trump was trying to do that. He went in front of NATO and called Germany out and said that they would never be able to get out from underneath Vladimir Putin's thumb if they kept reliant on Russian gas. And he was called an idiot, a moron. This guy, oh my God, how dare he be so mean to our NATO allies? Oh my God. And now these guys are celebrating it? It's obscene. But at the same token, there's zero benefit to Russia for this pipeline being blown up because they had a leverage over Germany. The idea here is it goes into winter, German citizens start to get a little bit cold, and they say, Ukraine isn't worth our own people freezing to death. This is stupid. Let's just stop. And then the German government backs off or does what the hell ever so they can get more natural gas coming in and Germans can heat their homes because let's be honest, the German government was stupid and wanted to fund everything on wind power or some other green nonsense that does nothing more than kill people uh, because it's completely unsustainable. So that was kind of the play there. Well, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline being blown up only, well, I can't say only, but strategically harms Russia more than any other country. And what's so gross about it is it's going to harm German citizens who now have zero way to figure out this crisis before the winter hits. Sure, there's going to be, you know, other countries that are, you know, going to be able to come in and they're going to be able to, you know, supply some liquid natural gas, but are they going to be able to spin up those reserves fast enough? Certainly United States can't help because uh, we don't do anything for those things. We don't do anything to try to help any of that. So, you know, we're not going to expand it. We're not, we're not going to expand fracking. We're not going to do anything. But the question is, we don't know who did it. We just know that it doesn't make any sense that it was Russia. But at the same point, why, if it wasn't Russia, if Russia hasn't gone completely, and this is the problem, I, the, the thing that I hate is when people want to try to claim themselves as being good analysts and their answer is, well, he's a madman. That's stupid. But it will be fascinating to see. Well, actually, and, and Colleen is making a good point here. Like, maybe we will. We'll open up fracking and all these other things because we'll do it for everyone but Americans. Do you think that this might be the Biden administration's way? Um, this might be the uh, Biden administration's way of being able to kind of dive in and start doing the right thing about uh, energy independence without uh, pissing off the, uh, you know, so the extreme left, um, you know, without pissing off the extreme left of whom he is the most afraid. And maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's exactly the, the reason why he's doing it. So, you know, at that same token, I'd like, I don't know. It could absolutely be that. That could absolutely be what's going on. Mm-hmm. Alan, it keeps seeming like you drop, but then you're you're not, and I just keep babbling over top of you. So I'm not sure, but maybe it was my signal. Um, well, maybe. But I guess you just had to listen to me babble through all of that. So go ahead and you weigh in for a second. 
interestingly, I didn't hear you that whole time. So I don't oh. know what that was. So I don't know yeah. uh, at what point you stopped listening to me, but I think um, I think the pipeline thing is incredibly divisive. I really hope the United States wasn't behind it, um, but it does seems un- it seems highly likely that they were, and at least in terms of some say special operations group like some of the CIA or using probably Polish special forces, something like that. That seems more likely than anything else. But I I think Russia is now set up to retaliate. And But at the same time, I hope that this causes the Germans to have a very cold winter and then to essentially have a coup and kick out their stupid illegitimate government that has destroyed their ability to have energy independence, shutting down their nuclear plants and everything else. Also, Germany's sitting on a giant reservoirs of coal that they just can't use because they made it illegal to use coal. Dumb idiots. So, <laughs> so with that being said, um, what is like, what is the actual potential of World War Three? Because that's what we keep hearing. You know, uh, there, there, there's, you know, we're gonna, he's, Putin's gonna use a nuke. You know, yeah. which makes zero sense. Doesn't make any you sense know. at all. You know, Putin's gonna. You know, it's it. Well, it's always gonna be Putin, right? We're certainly never gonna start World War Three, even though we're literally doing everything we can to go down that path. Like we're doing, we are we are dumping billions of dollars of both actual money and material into a country that, let's just be honest, why? Like I know, I know people don't like to hear this, but this is how the real world works when you're not children. Why the hell do we care? Well, we don't. It's, um, uh, yeah. So as far as potential for World War III, it's going to only be World War III if the U.S. government wants it to be World War III. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is this was a major attack on the infrastructure of Russia. And I think the Russians are going to look for ways to respond in kind. Now, one of the only ways, a major way to supply natural gas to Europe which the U.S. government is thrilled about, is via liquid natural gas tankers. And I think that those tankers are now, this this act this act essentially makes those tankers a fair, fair game. So what happens when Russia torpedoes a liquid natural gas tanker headed for Germany? Well, that's, that's going to be cause for war. I feel like it's going to, I think we're rapidly approaching a Lusitania type situation where essentially the U.S. government manipulates world events to make something happen that allows them to justifiably, to justify war with Russia to the American people. I think that's the goal. Do you think that this is lined up on the midterms or no? Because they're fast approaching. I seems doubtful to me yeah just you think it's more just to try to stem the bleeding somewhere (laughs) maybe it's it's hard to know i i think that this is the idea that it would be tied to the midterms seems crazy because Mm -hmm. i don't think that any this is popular like how many americans are sitting there going well i know who i'm voting for the party that's playing fast and loose with world war three that's that's (laughs) exactly what i want to that's exactly what i want for my country I don't get the sense a lot of Americans are going to be thrilled about that. So 
I'm kind of confused. If, if this is a a midterm strategy, it's a very confusing one. I think this well, is more a World Economic Forum, like Great Reset kind of a thing, because it's exactly what a, what this is the Great Reset would try to do, like end dependence on the big scary fossil fuels. Ooh, and what better way to do it than shutting down the pipelines? Well, and not to mention the fact that you know they're great liberal utopia has been revealed to be a complete sham with the idea that uh, everything sucks now and everything that they've done and been in charge of has gone to shit. And so at best, the only thing that they have left now is we have to distract people from how big of a garbage heap all of our uh, policies are and what better to do that than uh like what what colleen's pointing out here is you know we need another twin tower event i mean you're not wrong right now with that being said and all jokes aside when we talk about things that are bad ideas things that are confusing and things that make no sense mm -hmm. um there are legitimately now calls uh, by lawmakers to have a psychological or have a sorry, have a cognitive evaluation done on Joe Biden, especially after uh, this situation happened earlier this week. Listen to this audio. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I think she was going to be here to help make this a reality. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's talking about the uh, representative who was killed in a car accident um, a couple of months ago, um, and they held a tribute for her at that event. Hmm. Well, and that's not good. He's looking around in the crowd, and the best excuse that we got from the worst press secretary in history um, was, well, he was at the top of her, look, she was at the top of Biden's mind. She was at the top of his mind. Why? Because she was killed recently and that's why he was looking around a room for her? Yeah, that's real thin. Like, well, it, it's, it might not actually be that thin. That could be the truth. She was at the top of his mind and he didn't know why because he has freaking dementia. Yeah. Like, look, yeah. if this happened once, you know, if this was the one time, I, I am actually like, I don't like to get into the gotcha all the time crap, especially when it comes to all the events and stuff that you see a president do. If it was just a, yeah, look, man, he just kind of forgot like that, that stuff can happen. Why is he going to pay attention to every single representative? He's not going to know every little itty bitty thing. We all know that that kind of crap is used all the time in media where they pretend like they know everything. Right. When the event is holding a like little memorial and tribute for the person who was killed in a car accident. You're told that 100% by your staff. Yeah. So, and, 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 and 
he was going to visit her family and pay respects the very next day, as Colleen is pointing out in our live chat. So it does get to a point where you have to ask the question, what the hell is going on? Like, how long are we going to be pretending like this isn't a massive problem just so Democrats can try to save face? They stole an election to get a man with dementia elected and everything is going to shit. At what point are they going to finally put their hands up and go, okay, like, look, we screwed up. Yeah, I don't know, but it is. The guy is a, the guy's a crazy mental patient. Yeah. The guy's the guy, Joe Biden is a riddled with dementia. If, okay, we are, it's a nation right now facing things like, rising inflation, possibly a looming economic collapse, the remnants of COVID-19 and all the massive disruptions in our society that happened over the last two years. We already think, think about it. Think back even three years to 2019 and how much massive upheavals and changes have happened. The state of the world is totally different. We were, we're on the verge of possibly world war three with russia american status in the world is falling china's becoming more powerful all are at we're about we're having this economic crisis in europe at the same time inflation's run amok it's like all of this is happening the culture is de degrading and everybody's talking about a potential second civil war and the guy we choose to lead us through the guy we're hoping can lead our country through all of that is riddled with dementia and I mean, it, that is, while very fitting, probably not very helpful. But, you know, it's, like, it's funny because I think that a lot more people have gone down the road of the election being stolen, the more that the mental issues that Joe Biden has come to light. And the reason why I say that is you would be worried about a normal person like a Pete Buttigieg or a Beto O'Rourke or, you know, even a, 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 a Elizabeth Warren mm. stealing an election and then having them be the president of the United States. Because at some point they're probably, you know, if it ever gets found out or something happens, they have to go in front of Congress. They're going to try to save their own skin. So what's even better than illegally seizing power with somebody who will never be able to have the mental capacity to ever be properly um, deposed by a prosecution. Yeah. And I know that sounds like, but think about that for a second. This is the perfect person for which to commit a giant crime, like stealing a United States election because the guy is too mentally compromised to, to ever stand trial uh, for anything that's done. He could know 100% what is happening. He can know 100% what is going on with the, with the election being rigged and taken away and they are perfectly comfortable with him knowing it because what he what's real what's not real what he knows what's made up in his brain it all goes away the minute they start thinking that there is in the approaching potential of him having to be deposed they will release his diagnosis and then yeah. he will never have to stand trial it's perfect oh and, yeah and bear in mind 
like the Republicans can be kind of stupid and they'll take simple victories over, you know, long, hard won battles. And they'll say, well, we got rid of Biden, so it's okay. Let's drop it. And it's like, no, you need to find out who put that joker in front of everyone. It wasn't him. He didn't come up with this on his own. They're like, oh, but, but you know, we got somebody. We know that it was stolen. It's all fine. No. <laughs> yeah. Because you all, yeah, you either do it with somebody who is too mentally compromised to ever be prosecutable, or you do it to somebody who the idea of themselves being prosecuted is the idea of them falling for a crime is still arguably better than you revealing whatever else you have on them. Those are the two ways, basically, it's how the mob worked. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, he's so uh... a. Like he, I mean, essentially, you're almost arguing that Biden himself is controlled opposition. Yeah, in a weird sense, like mostly the opposition is his bowels at the Vatican. But yeah, I mean, same kind of idea. (laughs) I yeah, I think I think it's incredibly useful. It means he's it means he as a president is compromised, and the reality is Joe Biden is not the president of the United States. No, someone else or some group of people is. He is not making decisions. He is not leading the country. He is merely the guy they put in, they stuff in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I, know I, who's running the country. You don't know who's running the country. When Joe Biden runs for re-election, the actual president is not running for re-election, just the puppet that they're going to drag out on strings. And that is a very worrying scenario for, for probably should be for all, most of all of America. Because who's running the country? Who's making these decisions? Who's writing policy? We have a right to know and to criticize them, but it is being hidden from us because they probably don't want us to know. And worse off, they probably don't want us to know so that those very same people can reorient to the next Democrat candidate who can then have the same disastrous policies if we refute Joe Biden and say, we don't want, this is not what we want. Yeah. No, it's definitely deep and systemic. And at the same, well, and I mean, I guess this will have to be the final point for the show because we're kind of, unless there's something I missed, Alan, I don't want to take everything I mean, away, but. there's a whole bunch of stuff. California enacted a new trans kid sanctuary law, which is utterly horrific. Oh, I do uh, want to cover that real quick. Whole lot of things. Yeah. Um, right. So, so because there's going to be more to come from this. And so we'll, we'll graze it at the top. And I guarantee like, especially probably even next week, there's going to be a lot more, but um, we'll go ahead. Do you want to give the particulars on that? Because I, I don't want to forget that one. And I, uh, for mm. whatever reason, didn't put it on my notes. So California recently decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to become a sanctuary for trans children who need an advocate because all these mean conservatives don't want their penises to be chopped off. <laughs> so, California um, decided that they're going to be a, a sanctuary. Well, what does this mean? Um, well, it means that part of their law is if a child is brought to California for a transgender reason... The state will intervene and make sure they stay there. It is, quote, a bill to protect transgender youth and their families freeing persecution. Quoting Gavin Newsom, 
In California, we believe in equality and acceptance. We believe no one should be persecuted or prosecuted for getting the care they need, including gender-affirming care, i.e. cutting off your penis. Mm -hmm. Parents know what's best for their kids, like cutting off their boobs. And they should be able to make decisions around the health of their children without fear, like sterilizing them and condemning them to an early death via puberty blockers. We must take a stand for parental choice to mutilate your children. Laws attempting to ban medical care for transgender minors demonize the transgender community and are an act of hate. As in, I personally hate mutilating children, and so I do demonize the transgender community and these actions as demonic. But I get ahead of myself. So, the state also bans healthcare providers from releasing medical information to out-of-state authorities. Arrest warrants for violating out-of-state laws related to gender-affirming care are to be given the lowest law enforcement priority. Essentially, what when one of these things this law also does is that if a child is essentially abducted by a parent, or I assume even any adult that is not their, uh, does not have custody, and is brought to California for gender-affirming care, the state will refuse to use its law enforcement powers to ensure that that child is returned back to its state of origin. So if there's a divorce, and let's say, because there was a recent, a couple of years ago, right? There was like a kid in Texas whose mom was like a complete psychopath. And she decided like, when this kid would go over to his dad's house, he was like a normal boy. Everything was fine. Nothing was going on. But when he went over to his mom's house, he was like dressed up like a girl and called a girl's name. And this dad was like freaking out about it because he's like, this is all my wife. My son's not old. He doesn't act this way. This isn't normal. This is like all her, you know, manipulating the kid. And he just wants to, you know, he just wants to be a normal kid. And his mom is doing this for attention and it's gross and weird. And there was a whole custody battle out of it. What this equates to is, let's say a court says, yeah, absolutely not. He's going to go live with his dad because mom's being crazy town you know, and is pro- is possibly manipulating this kid, she could just take that kid, go to California and essentially flee prosecution for kidnapping yep. a child to go uh, to, to make sure that she can post pictures on Instagram of her new daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, California on August 31st also passed a bill that would allow states courts in California to take custody of minors from out of state who come to California seeking gender transition surgeries. Even if these actions go against the wishes of the minor's parents. So if you're a minor and you are brought to California, the state will take custody of that child. So that, that mom in this scenario, if the mom does not have legal custody and abducts the child and brings them to California, the state of California will take custody of that child when they get there. And that thus thus protecting the child from being, I guess, extradited, but thus forcing a big legal fight to extradite this child back to their parents. Uh, and in the meantime, they've basically been mutilated by a surgeon. So, so utterly horrific. This is what's so weird about things like this. First of all, this is what I like to call gesture laws. Hmm. There's nobody intends on this ever being enforceable because of course, of course, this is going to be taken to court. Of course, this is going to end up in the Supreme Court. Right. There's zero, there's zero scenarios where states aren't going to sit there and go, um, no, you can't kidnap our children. Exactly. First of all, yeah. isn't that weird? 
Like why? It's why? real weird. Why is this the top of the priority? Why? Why in God's name? Yeah. Specifically, specifically, why is there so much of a priority given on transgender surgeries for children? Because wasn't it just a couple of months ago that everybody was trying to convince us that they were not trying to turn our kids into trans? Like they're they're not grooming them. They're not trying to turn them into trans kids. Oh my God, you guys are a bunch of weirdos. And now California is like, we'll take your damn kids. Like, am I out of my mind? But the, the the reality is here, what I can't figure out is what California's plan is. Because California knows that this is going to go in front of the Supreme Court. And I just don't see a way where the current Supreme Court doesn't look at this and go, Oh my God, absolutely not. Like there's no way that anyone's going to author. I there might even be some liberal justices that are like, there is zero constitutionality to the idea of California being able to take the, to, to, to be able to take custody of a kidnapped child and then have a surgery conducted on them. There's zero way because nobody has even properly vetted this as a danger. Like if if this 12-year-old doesn't get, quote, gender-affirming care, something bad's going to happen. They can't possibly wait till they're 18. Right. That seems insane to me. Yeah, it, well, it, it it's all in this incredibly bizarre scientific it's like, well, we have to transition children before they hit puberty or else their own body's hormones will irrecoverably change them. Yeah, they, they yeah. Can, we need to get them before they could possibly change back. Yeah, the whole it's this whole island of Dr. Moreau-esque science experiment on whether we can change the gender of a child. It, it's like the whole thing almost seems like it's driven by mad scientists intent on seeing whether they can actually change the gender of, of a person or not. And then all the trans ideologies just this cover for their continued horrific research. Like, well, 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 maybe if we surgically mutilate them young enough and then pump them with enough synthetic, like lab grown hormones, like pump them with enough of those, maybe the body, human body will like change into this other form. Like, guys, that's not even going to work. That doesn't make any sense. That, that That's not how biology functions. Like, well, 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 I have a grant money and, you know, a, and if you disagree with my research, you're hateful. So give me more children to mutilate. This is, it's just, it's so weird. And it, it is one, like, there's just, I can't understand a good argument for this. I cannot understand anyone giving a supportive argument that says, yes, it should, add, like, there are a lot of things on the left and the right. There's a lot of stuff on the left that I disagree with, but I can understand their argument. I, I may not agree with it. I, and when I look at it, I say this would never work, or I think that this is dumb and part of something else or whatever. I can't sit there and look at this and see it as anything other than we need to get them while they're young and then they'll vote for us for the rest of their lives because they'll basically have to. I, I feel like there's some validity to that. Because besides that, there's just... Where else does anybody sit there and say, well, I mean, unless the whole drive here is 
You know, the biggest argument that we have against transgenderism is the fact that uh, about half of them kill themselves. What if we started getting them earlier? Maybe that number would go lower and it would seem less scary. Maybe, but I have another theory. I think oh part of it is, you know what conservatives hate? Transgender stuff. So let's push it a thousand percent. Oh, there's certainly that, but so, it's so also- you know what you know what we're gonna love transgender stuff. There's definitely that, and especially if we can take their kids from them. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think a, I feel like a lot of the transgender stuff is simply driven by this us versus them vindictive mentality of the left. That is why they like to target your kids. I mean, the whole child spies thing in um, 1984. That, that was a real thing, the government turning your kids against you, making them pillars of the government, not pillars of the family. They have to just, and maybe that, that is part of it. I mean, like, I, I know some people roll their eyes at this, but legitimately, the government does want to destroy family because it is the one thing that stands in the way of the government having total control. That's true. But... I don't know. We're going to keep looking into this. I have a, this is going to end up being at the top of some list, whether or not they try to take over the Supreme court. So there's 8,000 liberal justices and two conservative justices that also vote liberal. Um, I don't know, but I just, I don't see legally how this goes in front of the Supreme court. And even some of the liberal justices say, Oh no, there's absolutely a constitutional part here where you can kidnap a kid that where the state can kidnap children. There's just, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but this just sounds insane. And to me, it's a gesture bill just for them to get people to start talking about this instead of something else. But we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see and, and we'll have to go from there, but that's going to be it for us, uh, for, you know, today, but Hey, be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong pink radio, where you can become a subscriber for just two 99 a month and help support the program. I'm Aaron from the East coast. I'm Alan from the West coast. And this is wrong pink radio. We'll catch you all next week.